Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top-of-mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Amy Rojic, and I direct BDO Center for Corporate Governance, and I'm here today with the CEO and Chief Board Consultant of MA Fister Strategy Group, Mark Fister. We're going to discuss the key activities that aspiring first-time or experienced directors should engage in to package themselves as serious board candidate contenders. Whether your interests lie in public, private, or nonprofit board work, understanding the requisite pre-work required to not only land a board seat, but ensure you can leverage the process to have confidence that a particular seat is the right fit for your objectives and goals, and you'll be an accretive member to the board. But first, a little bit about Mark. Mark is a non-executive director, CEO, and the chief board consultant. With a strong focus in strategy, governance, and technology and cybersecurity, Mark Fister serves as the CEO and chief board consultant of the Mark, excuse me, of the MA Fister Strategy Group, um, an executive advisory firm that serves as a strategic advisory council for executives and boards in the public, private, and nonprofit sectors. He is also the chairman and CEO of Integral Board Group, a specialized board services and consulting company, as well as founder and CEO of the International Board Director Competency Designation, or IBC. DCD. <laughs> um, this is an education and certification program and a board director certification course that is recognized globally. He is a board macro influencer and his success has been repeated across a wide range of business situations and environments. And he prides himself on being a coach and mentor to senior executives and directors. His book, Across the Board, is one of my personal favorites. And in board director circles, Mark has earned the nickname of the board architect. So, Mark, welcome to BDO in the boardroom. Uh, thank you, Amy, so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm so glad to have you. But before we dive in, I would love for you to tell our audience how you earned the reputation as the board architect and <laughs> prompts for penning your book across. Yeah, the- yeah. Um, it's an interesting question. So, um, a good portion of my career in the board directorship realm has been focused on figuring out this formula behind successful boards. And with a number of boards I've worked with around the globe to date, there truly is a formula behind this. And uh, roughly 15 years ago, I started looking at this data. I was able to keep this data and and, uh, sort through it uh, just through my clients and and, um, the trending that I was receiving and started to really look at what are these boards that are actually operating well, making a difference, they're effective, they're efficient, what are they doing differently? And I started to realize that I could use that evaluation, what I call now a board architecture assessment, as a way of predicting or forecasting if those boards were going to be successful or, quite frankly, what I was walking into right at that moment in time for my consulting or my advisory work. So that led to the book of Across the Board. I started to more so use the word architecture mainly because I think when we say board structure, That's much more of a reactive type of response to how a board is built. It's really reviewing what the board is now, what it currently is, what what is its structure. 
I like the terminology of architecture. I think it's more proactive. I believe it's more in the realm of thinking about this as something you design uh, and a path that you follow. So with that, that's really how people started, I guess, to start calling me the, the board architect because I had a much different approach to how we how we look at not just designing but evaluating successful boards. Right. And I did mention your book, Across the Board, which I absolutely love. It's one of my um, go-to governance books, if you will. So maybe some thoughts about, you know, becoming an author. Yeah. So, you know, when I first started writing that book, um, it was probably more so just the challenge of putting that book together. Uh, it was originally designed as a uh, as a companion, I'll say, to the speaking engagements that I do around the world. And I found, and maybe this is helpful to your listeners also, um, I never really planned on, uh, I, I was always planning on self-publishing. I was never going to reach out to a publisher for it. And I found this interesting service on Amazon. And Amazon has a, uh, a I guess it's a, a company that they call uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. Long story short, everything you could possibly need between the book size templates, getting your ISBN number, um, the te- every type, type of template, the barcode, everything you could possibly want. And when you're done with your book and you upload your manuscript, you simply click a button and all of a sudden it's up on Amazon. Uh, with another click of a button, you have the, the uh, ebook or the e-file version of it as well. Um, so it was a, an original way of me just simply documenting my thoughts and my findings and the trending around this board architecture concept. Um, and I never would have thought that it would have expanded to become truly something. I think it's up to about 30,000 copies uh, globally right now. So it's not um, uh, James Patterson numbers when, it, when we compare to his books. But uh, who would have thought that a uh, governance topic such as board architecture would have such an audience? I think all of that is a testament to those that are truly searching for a way to make their boards operate not only correctly, but more effectively, more efficiently. Uh, How do you go about this even from a nominating committee lens and look for the right people? How do you correlate all of this into uh, a truly well-oiled and and, and finely tuned and operating board? And that really is one of my passions. Right. Well, I I have to say, I I agree with you. And I think the, the, the way you've written it is particularly powerful for obviously current sitting directors and management teams that are looking for better ways to to architect or or craft their boards, I I shall say. But it's equally important for those aspiring directors to really understand the workings of a corporate board, of a not-for-profit board, of a private company board, and, and what are the kind of the best practices that you've seen. And I know there's a lot of you know, reflection currently with everything that's been happening and all of the risks that are evolving that are being allocated to various aspects of corporate governance and how boards should be overseeing risks within their organization. And I think it's really, really timely um, the way you've constructed this book. So highly recommend it. Um, I do want to ask you about you have a global approach to educating those interested in pursuing board candidacy. So I wanted you to share a little bit about that approach and some of the critical elements that enable professionals to properly prepare, package, and present themselves as competitive board candidates, and maybe what distinguishes your approach from others. Sure. So our particular education program, the title of the education is called Becoming an Exceptional Board Director Candidate. Uh, And that 
also has the correlated global certification called the International Board Director Competency Designation. And some of the impetus and the drive for that very early on was that many board director education programs are truly regional uh, or local type of programs. Um, I still always say that uh, anybody who's teaching anything about board directorship is still a friend of mine. Uh, and I, I commend them for wanting to further the industry. And I do view board directorship truly as an industry into its own um, but I also recognize and many recognize the fact that we are in a global business realm today. So we can't just think about leadership, governance and strategy uh, on a local or regional type of mindset or realm. So this program was truly designed 10 or so 10 or plus years ago now uh, to focus on this much larger global mindset that can apply locally to board directors, of course, but we have to think of things on a larger scale today. We, we can't just be with our blinders on focused uh, locally or just regionally. So the program itself truly is focused on not just modern day board operations as it relates to the global lens or the global viewpoint, but also how do you actually, as either an aspiring or an experienced director, how do you properly package yourself today and be viewed as a modern day director? Make no mistake, Amy, and you know this, a director of even 10 years ago is nowhere near what a modern day director of today looks like and what is ex is expected of them. Uh, I always say the, the one trick ponies are no longer in demand. We have to have a much deeper depth of knowledge and understanding of strategy and governance to truly be effective in the boardroom. Uh, our particular program takes that approach. Uh, there are not many, if any, that I know out there that actually take the global modern day view and teachings of operations of boards and the architecture, proper modern day architecture of boards, but also how to truly package yourself correctly and be considered and viewed as a modern day director. These are extremely important uh, for me in my realm of consulting and advising. I can tell you uh, one of my recent clients uh, of 734 uh, submissions for one open board seat, only 18 of those people truly submitted properly with proper board documents, as we call them, not sending a resume or a CV or just some sort of bio that's a professional bio. Your board documents are made up of very specific formulated uh, information areas, uh, and, and they follow a certain layout and flow. Uh, that's one great example of saying to yourself, how are you viewed as someone who is truly viewing board directorship as a discipline and a global discipline, not just the rite of passage because you had some big title in the past and now you 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 think it's uh, just a easy way in to get into the boardroom doesn't work that way anymore no correct and I, I think that probably brings us a good segue right into our next question in terms of you know you just mentioned one of them but what are the more significant mistakes you see would be directors making when they're seeking placement on a board yeah the packaging is as I mentioned is is one is a big one um, I say even in our course and, and in the teachings that I do that I truly believe today, that it is harder to get to the board interview than it is to get the appointment. And I mean that in that there is just such a large market of those that want to join boards. Um, so you have to set yourself apart. Typically, when you're making your first impression as a board candidate, and that's either an aspiring or experienced director, uh, I don't uh, necessarily group them differently as, it, as we look at it from a board candidate lens, right? They're both usually applying in the same way or applying to the same person or this or the same committee, the nominating committee. But we have to think about this packaging correctly. So I make the correlation in the following way. 
if you truly view board directorship as a discipline, then why would you not package yourself and submit properly for that position? Additionally, if a large expectation, which I truly believe today is of a director to do research, that can be competitive research, it can be industry research, and you haven't even done the research to properly find out even the name of board documents versus resume or CV that you put on your file name for your submission, that doesn't really tell me a lot about or doesn't give me a great impression that uh, you're going to do the proper amount of research that's required to be a great board director. So the packaging is a big one. The other one that that's, uh, rises to the top for me, and I look for this in not just the submission language, but also definitely in the interview, is that I want to make sure that a director understands very clearly the linkage between values, culture, and risk in the organization. And that, to me, is one of the most fundamental understandings of governance, is to say that I understand that risk holds the bullseye uh, of our chart of governance. And directly surrounding that is the values and the culture of the organization. And you can easily make the correlation in any organization, and I truly believe the board owns the values and the culture of the organization, which they should expect very high expectations, I'll say, of the CEO to represent that properly in the organization. That misunderstanding of risk to values to culture uh, truly tells me that someone is not aware of the underpinnings of governance. And then, of course, the underpinnings of the linkage of governance to strategy. All of these are extremely important. Whether you're an aspiring or an experienced director, that absolutely has to be understood. And I personally have no uh, hang up with ending a board interview after 10 minutes if that very simple understanding uh, is not uh, conveyed properly by the candidate. And how do you see that being conveyed? So you, you talked about the board documents. I mean, tying something in there in your introductory letter, your cover letter to the board um, for this position. But how do you see that, I guess, impacting? And, and I liken it to when I'm doing my research on various things, I would see how, you know, what what's available from the company to understand, you know, the, the value proposition that they bring. You know, what is their mission statement? What, it, what does that look like? You know, if it's a public company, it's very easy to ascertain what the risks are to the business and all of that. But ha ha what, what, from your perspective? Yeah, a few different stages to this. So uh, in simply submitting, the, the first impression of a board candidate is typically, as I'm mentioning, the submission of their board documents. Hopefully it's board documents and not a resume or a CV. <laughs> and in the proper structuring of board documents is an area that specifically calls out your core leadership traits. So even before I've met you to offer the interview or perform the interview, I can understand, number one, what your core leadership traits are, how they relate to your ethics, to your values, your focus on culture. And that truly is one of the big differentiators between a CV or a resume versus a board document is that you need to get across the importance of the values and the culture and who you are as a leader in the document even before I meet you. Um, so that typically is an area of core leadership uh, traits that are included in the pre-meeting, I'll say, in the in the early decisioning process. Now, in the interview, one of the main areas, and, and again, it's another indicator I look for very early on, is that regardless of the question that I ask you, and it could seem like a very monolithic question, right? You, you may even be able to answer some of my early questions with a yes, no, but what I'm looking for is for the board candidate to expand upon that. Bring in the other aspects that weigh in on the decisioning, 
on the governance aspects, on the on the strategy components that a board director is responsible for. Um, so it really is the 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 onus is is on the board candidate during their interview to expand the conversation, not to seem like they're going off target, but explain very clearly these interrelationships between the important areas and expand upon my question that may seem very monolithic. Tell me the pieces that you think about to show me you're a dynamic thinker. And values is always one that comes back to that. You can link values to, again, the culture of the organization. You can link it to the level of risk in the organization. You can link it to governance models. You can link it to the strategy components of, of the incorporation of risk as well as culture in, into the organization. These are all integrated components that you can really get a feel in a very short, short amount of time if that director truly understands what they're there to do as a director and the types of questions they would formulate to get to the answers that are needed to truly be doing the proper governance that's required of them. No, thank you. That that's really helpful. And I think one of the one of the things that came out to me, and you know, I, I, I think I alluded to this earlier, but I have sat through the course, um, and I am now a certified. You're a, gra you're a graduate. I'm a graduate. Yes, yes. That's however you want to, however you want to say that. But um, one of the things that really stood out to me when I was taking that course is really understanding that and being able to articulate to you know, if you're fortunate enough to to get that interview, being able to articulate how you would be conducting yourself in the boardroom. So asking pertinent questions about the culture of the boardroom, so not just the organization, but then identifying how you see yourself fitting or asking those questions to say, you know, here's here's what I bring to the table. Is this what you're looking for? How How do you see me fitting in? What does that look like? And really starting to, you know, almost put the onus back on them to say, here, I'm in, I'm in your boardroom. How is that going to function? So it's almost getting to the next step subconsciously for them that, okay, I see her sitting in, in the seat here. How is she going to be, you know, pervade? Yeah. And that, that's a great way to put it in that these interviews and the vetting process is truly a two-way street. The number of directors that say yes to an offered board seat appointment mainly due to the initial flattery of, of the offer and realize six months later that the board is not a correct fit for them is a very high percentage. And I I, I say in, in, in the course, as you likely remember, that the majority of board seats that are offered to you, you should say no to. And the reason for that is that they're simply not the right fit. And if we if we change this to the front, let's say if we front load the process of evaluation and vetting and truly view it as a two-way street, most board candidates kind of have that feeling up front, but they feel out of place to truly ask the type of questions that they want to ask and what they want to have answers to. And they figure they're going to figure that out later once they're in the boardroom. Um, that's a very dangerous proposition because the personal risk to a board director today, once they're already seated and listed <laughs> as a voting fiduciary member of that board, is too high to evaluate and work through that later on once you're already seated on the board. So we have to lose some of this fear of saying no to offered board seats and change that effort and, and the emotions of that into the research uh, and the true detective work that needs to be done to evaluate if that board is right uh, for you as a board candidate. And one of the positive and unintended consequences of you doing your proper research is that you're typically asking some of these questions of the directors that are interviewing you. 
which shows that you're focused on the most important areas of, of being successful in that role, which drives the conversations to a more dynamic and in-depth conversation on things that are important, which elevates your status as a candidate because you're asking the right questions and you're getting into more of a conversation rather than a one-sided interview. Oh, great, great advice. Great advice. <clears throat> All right. So my final question that I want to pose to you is the world of governance continues to evolve and expectations for the skill sets of corporate directors just continue to increase. So how are modern boards leveraging the architectural concepts we spoke about previously? I'd love to hear some examples on what you've seen from board candidates um, in doing to ensure that their particular skill sets, knowledge base, and experience are put to the highest and best use in making them competitive director candidate. Sure, sure. Well, first off, I think of two main areas and, and I'll, I'll, I'll share a question. Let, let, me, let me start this with one of my favorite go-to questions that I ask in board director interviews of board candidates. And I'm, I'm very comfortable now with sharing this question because it's not something you can fake. And the question is the following. Tell me about your understanding of the interrelationship between strategy and governance. It is impossible to fake the answer back to that question. And if I correlate that, my, my question and the expected response of that back to what you're asking me, first off, let's make no mistake with this. A modern day director has to be able to, without any hesitation, answer that in the proper way. And that is truly showing an understanding. I'll give bits and pieces of it, not the full answer, but uh, we cannot decouple or separate the linkage in, in modern day governance from strategy. They have to be connected and they are connected. Um, the, the gist of the answer to this, or, or if I summarize this in, in some way, is that once the goals of the organization are set, truly a large portion of the remaining time of a director is actually governing the strategy, which is the how. How are we going to reach the goals, the goals being the what and the why? So that particular skill set of saying to, to, to a candidate, saying to themselves, a board candidate, realizing that their governance model has a huge uh, correlation to the strategy of the organization and understanding the theory behind strategy, uh, you, you, you essentially can't be an effective governance leader without understanding strategy and how they interrelate. That's number one. Now, number two, to your question, Amy, is that, and I'm going to bring this back to the packaging again, how do you come across as someone who brings value? Where do you fit on that board? So most boards will approach um, any type of, of board search with an understanding they're looking for someone to come fit in whatever committee area or expertise area, audit committee, nominating gover governance committee. They kind of already know that, so that's good. <laughs> now, in order to be viewed as a dynamic candidate, and if we, if we correlate this again to your packaging, we use a methodology called having a major and three minors. The three minors are areas that correlate directly to what we call the workhorses of the board. Those are the committees. That's where the work gets done and should be done, uh, should get done on the board. So in packaging up your skill sets, don't just think about one area of value that you could correlate to a committee where you bring value. Think of three. And that's where we start to cover in board architecture, the concept of coverage and balance. And from a board candidate's lens, it gets you out of the realm of being viewed as that one trick pony that no board wants right now. They want depth. They want deep experience. And they want to know that you can be a utility player when needed and also weigh in on decision making. So that architectural concept 
that you could say one side of it's from out from inside the board looking out. A candidate can totally leverage that and how they package themselves in knowing where they fit on the board and even showing more depth of additional value they can bring to to debates, to offering up input, to research they can do, and even serving on multiple committees. I love it. So but maybe by way of example, can you share your your major and three minors as as you package yourself? Sure. So uh, your major always as a director should start out with non-executive director. Uh, mine happens to read non-executive director, CEO, uh, and chief board consultant. So two titles, one expertise area. And the minor is my focus, uh, strategy, um, governance, and technology cybersecurity. And, and the minors, remember, should be areas that are easily correlated skill sets to common board committees. And that's another way of really packaging yourself correctly to be recognized by those that are evaluating you that so you're coming in with a depth of knowledge, you understand proper packaging, and you're truly going to bring value to that board in not just one area, but multiple. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And I think that was one of my favorite portions of the course is to the prompts to actually make you think think about your value proposition, right? So coming to those conclusions and really honing in on your, your areas of expertise, I think is critical and capturing that in, you know, very concise format, I think was really helpful. So, all right. I want to thank you for joining us today, Mark. And I, and I mentioned the International Board Director Competency Designation, Education and Certification Program in my opening comments, and you shared some of the key areas of that very robust curriculum. So this is very much in keeping with our mission for BDO's Center for Corporate Governance and providing continuous learning opportunities that are relevant to board members and executives. So I've had the pleasure, again, of participating in that course and receiving my global board designation uh, certificate and uh, hanging it proudly in my office once I get a frame. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very pleased to share with our listeners that through BDO Center for Governance, um, the IBDCD course is available to you at a 10% discount. So for details, please refer to the key takeaways that are going to accompany this recording link to the podcast. So Mark, um, thank you so much for joining our listeners today and sharing such thoughtful and critical information with them. Um, I know we're going to have a lot of fun working together. And I certainly welcome you back for future episodes as we dig into the evolving world of corporate governance. Thank you so much, Amy. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to BDO in the boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit BDO.com slash BDO Knows Governance.